Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ophira Eisenberg, host of NPR's Ask Me Another, and this is OPP. Welcome to another episode of OPP, a podcast that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. This week's special guest is comedian Ophira Eisenberg, host of NPR's hit live game show podcast, Ask Me Another. Each episode of Ask Me Another is recorded in front of a live audience and features four to five individual games based on particular puzzles, topics, wordplay, and trivia. In this episode, I sit down with Afira to chat about her upbringing in Canada, how her career in comedy led her to NPR, and of course, we chat about our hit podcast, Ask Me Another. Relax and enjoy my conversation with the amazing, funny, and endearing Afira Eisenberg. Afira, <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I actually had a reasonable day. Tell me about it. <laughs> right. New York City can be a tough place to live. It can. Yesterday, the, the rainstorms. I Right. Tropical, crazy rainstorms. Insane. It was 90 degrees <laughs> out. And then, right, the skies opened up. And it, and just it was bad. Sheet rain. Yes. I actually was walking. I got in this bullheaded thing where sometimes in New York, you're just, I, I feel like I get into a bull phase and I'm just trudging through the streets. Like I have a destination in mind. My feet are my transportation. Yeah. Uh, and I just go. So I had an umbrella and there were sheets of rain. Everyone was smartly just under awnings and like waiting for a break. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, I'm walking from 34th street to 39th street. That's all I have to do. Oh yeah. And I had an umbrella. It did not matter. I arrived soaked. I mean, I took off my socks and ring, rang them out and everyone laughed at the amount of water that came out of my socks. Oh, first of all, there, there was nothing you could do. <laughs> I was on my way to an interview and I got stuck. Oh. Like I, I was coming out of a meeting in Fidei Walked outside and it just started. And so I just, I just stood on the side. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm going to be five, 10 minutes late. Like I can't, and I have my gear too. So oh, I can't, get, I can't yeah. get that wet. I know I had my bag with my laptop and I was like, well, I guess maybe everything's ruined. What am I doing? Anyways, <laughs> it, it was just fine. But I was just soaking. It was laughable how soaked, how soaked I got in four blocks. And why? Like, why did I, why, why? was I like, I'm going. And yeah, then, you, you know, everyone had their umbrellas. And then you do this umbrella wars thing on the sidewalk because sidewalks are like not big enough not, to yes, accommodate exactly. everybody. And some people have like hot dog stand umbrellas. There's always the dick who has the, uh, like the golf umbrella. The golf umbrella. It's like, dude, have some, have some consideration. I know. And they're like, and so you're just basically like <laughs> stabbing people. There's like sword fights where, you know, with our umbrellas all the way down oh, yeah. the street. Uh, and nobody knows how to take care of each other on the sidewalk anyways. It was, yeah. So there's etiquette for people coming to New York city. There is rain etiquette. Okay. There's rain etiquette. Yes. Yeah. We all have to learn how to walk in the rain together. Yes. I know you've walked in the rain in a different city, perhaps a different country. It's a whole different vibe. And you have your thing. Yes. You're walking from the mall to the car. That's right. Different. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, so today was today was a beautiful day in it, New it York. This is when we have this like beautiful couple what like a week of course september yeah right right september 15th to october 15th where anyone who visits here they're like i would move here and you're like yeah because you came for the five days it's like you came three days ago homie (laughs) yeah or next week yes uh, and so I went to work at NPR today. Okay, we were to, we were supposed to do some pre-production, but our pre-production was on hold uh, because, as you know, from um, putting together a show, we had a cancellation on a guest, and so we needed to refill that position for a show on Monday. And with that okay. comes the how we write our promotional language, how we gear the script. So everything needs that little lug nut to be put in place. Where's the NPR office? Is that like it's in Bryant Park? Oh, it's close by. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, WNYC is on the west and, side. And Tribeca, yeah, kind Tribeca, of Soho, Soho, Tribeca, something west like that. Side. Near Varick. Yeah, but okay. we, I, I've never worked there. Okay. Because NPR, NPR produces Ask Me Another, which is the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so I go to the, they call it the Bureau. It's just a, they have a couple of spaces on the 19th floor of this massive building. Wow. So uh, they call it the Bureau. I love your like name, by the way. super nice name for it. Oh, thank you. I love your name. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's a that. superstar name. It's like, uh, like Jewish <laughs> Oprah. <laughs> Jewish Oprah. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. I'll take that. Um. Yeah, it's it's not popular. It is not a popular exactly. name. You're the only hero that I know. No, even when I talked, I was talking to this Israeli guy because it's a very Israeli name. Okay, uh, it's Hebrew, but it's also very Israeli. And I was saying to this Israeli guy, I have a very Israeli name, and he goes, "What's your name?" And I said, "Ophira," and he goes, "Nobody's named that anymore." <laughs> I'm the Mabel of Jerusalem. That's what I think. Are, are, are your parents? Uh... <laughs> My father was uh, yeah Israeli. Israeli. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a great name. Did you grow up in New York City? No, I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Really? Yeah. How is life like in Canada? Y'all are hot right now. You got Drake, you got Bieber. I know. Y'all are hot in these streets. I don't Bieber. I think we a lot of people are like, meh. Really? I mean, no one can no one can touch his popularity. He's he's tight. Whether you like him or not. Yeah, no, growing up in Calgary, nice place to grow up near the mountains on the west side of the country. Uh, mountains, sort of like, what is it sort of like? Maybe Denver or something? Okay. It's like ranching and cowboys and ski people okay and then my family none of those things <laughs> well, you know what i i've I, I met i was in colorado recently yeah and there uh i was like this, this type of person you were describing these like naturey outdoorsy yeah. cowboy people and i met a, a <laughs> yeah, friend. cowboy people yeah that's right. and the term for them is called crunchy they're like crunchy. crunchy. Yes. Have you heard absolutely. this before? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh I, yeah. I never Big knew time. this. Crunchy. Oh yeah. That's that was part of my Calgary, Alberta, Canadian vernacular, calling people crunchy. It's like you know, because hippie is a little outdated and it's sort of a different feeling. But yeah, they're crunchy. Yeah, I, I had no idea this is even a thing. Yeah, they wear fleece all the time. So this isn't offensive calling people crunchy. I don't think so. Okay. They're crunchy like granola. Right. She said that's that. what it is. But yeah. it's, it's not like uh like derogatory anyway. No, it's actually, I mean, it's sort of being almost complimentary. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like oh. they're crunchy, you know, like they know what they're doing. They they think they're better than us. <laughs> Trust me. Okay. These are the, the, the higher aristocratic folks. Yeah. I mean, like they're like, I figured out life. You don't like, why would you be in a basement? You know, why would you just look at your phone all day? All the things that we do. Cause we're like, I don't know. It's part of our life. They're like, I'm in the mountains. I do this. I know how to make things. Okay. I know how to survive. You know who's a dope Canadian as well? Shania Twain. Shania, 
Wow. From Timmins, Ontario. Yeah. So she's having a comeback right yeah, I, now. I went to go see her show. Yeah. How, oh, yeah. How was it? Yeah, it was pretty fire. Yeah. I'm a big Shania Twain fan. Yeah. That was like my first like MILF cougar crush. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So I re- like I remember when she really first came on the scene. I was living in Canada. I was living in Toronto. Um, and people, I mean, it's so funny. Canada is a, can be a little prudish, I think, in its own way. And she was very overtly sexy. Yeah. Like overtly sexy. And I think she had a video that had like, you know, leather, I mean, like maybe a like nod. It's, it's all cheetah. Yeah. Right. Like cheetah. there's a nod to like bondage or something <laughs> like that. I mean, it's just, it's a different time now. Like it would be so vanilla, all of that right now. Cause I think we've been inundated with everything, but at the time Canadians were like, it's a bit much. Wow. Like they were a little bit like, it's a bit much Are you a Shania fan? Twain. I, I mean, she does that sort of country thing. Country pop. Yeah. Which was fine. I mean, it was all over. She was, it was a hit. Like it was a, she was a hit machine. Yeah. 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 Big time. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I liked some of it for sure. And some of it I thought was, you know, what's the like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm feeling all right. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I, was, yeah. I was at the show. Only black man in that joint. I was getting I lit. I love it. <laughs> sure, it was great. I mean, there's no way she doesn't put on a good show. It was great. It was a huge production. It was, it was fantastic. Canada does it big. You know this? Yeah, I know. I know. We go all out. <laughs> Healthcare. Healthcare. Everyone's all shiny with the good teeth. Everyone's Wayne great. Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. That was a big deal. I grew up in Calgary. He was from Edmonton. That's two hours north from us. Hello. Yep. Oilers Hello. versus Flames. Let's go. So wait, so coming from Canada, yeah. how did you want to get into entertainment? Like, how did that even happen? So, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, how? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could have done so many other things with my life and been happy. Um, no, uh, I am happy, relatively. Yeah. Um, but no, I started stand-up after college. Okay, did you I, go to college in Canada? I did. Okay. I went to college in Montreal. Okay. Um, which I suggest everyone go to college in Montreal because then you get to live in Montreal. Is it a great city? I've never been. Great city. It's, it is, it feels like Europe. Really? It feels like Europe in Canada. Wow. Yeah. Well, it, why, it, why is that? Uh, I guess just the French influence and it's just a, and it's a, you know, cosmopolitan city. It's, it's, and it's also very diverse and most people speak French. So, uh, so because of that, you've big, you've got a big, Canadian culture. You also have a French culture. You also get some of a South American culture, the French speakers. You get a Haitian culture. Mm. You get a French-speaking West African culture, uh, an East African culture. So it's it's a cool place. Great food. Wow. Super stylish. Okay. Brutal winters. Oh, I was, as, as I would imagine. <laughs> it's brutal. Like the worst. That is the one reason. Do not live there. They're worse than um, anywhere I've lived in Canada. Well, I've been in Chicago. Yeah, so I've only flown in and out of Chicago, like around. Like I was only very, there very shortly for a winter situation. Okay, okay. Uh, and it seemed seemed bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great city, though. In yeah, summertime. O'Hare. I feel like O'Hare Airport is like sooner or later you just end up in O'Hare because you're not getting your next flight because there's a storm. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. as a kid, my my. Uh, airport visions was always O'Hare because of Home Alone. And I was like, yeah. I want to be in that airport and run around the airport. Yeah. And then you were there. You're like, this, this sucks. is terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. this, this is awful. This is awful. Yeah. So I finished that. I, d- I moved to Vancouver for, you know, I didn't know what I was doing after my cultural anthropology degree. 
Oh, hello. And so. Well-rounded. Yeah, great. <laughs> uh, that's the study of whatever, <laughs> in case you're wondering. And so I moved to Vancouver. My sister was living there as a little bit of support. Uh, and I was just not sure what I was doing. And I volunteered for a comedy festival there to like be an usher. Okay. And I met other people that were volunteering were stand-up comics. And I think in the, it was hard for me to realize that I this idea of being a stand-up was itching in the back of my brain. Um, you know, I just didn't, I didn't know how to realize it. It seemed super scary. I didn't know a lot of other people. I didn't know anyone that was doing it. Yeah. So then I met these people and they were like, you should try it. And they told me where the club was. And they said, you know, on Saturday, there's a workshop. And you had no aspirations to get into comedy kind of before this? I did. I mean, I did in a real, really fantasy kind of way. Okay. I just didn't see it as a reality. Like I didn't, I just didn't understand how to get from that little fantasy. You know, you may say, say it seems so obvious, but I guess I'll just put the button on it that this was like close to 20 years ago where I don't think it was as obvious. Yeah. And we didn't, there wasn't, there wasn't like, um, I didn't see people doing stand up. There was not like there was video clips floating around because there was no video clips. Right, 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 right. Right. So I just had no idea, like, and I hadn't really hung out in comedy clubs. And I guess I grew up in a pretty traditionally gendered way in the sense that me and my girlfriends did not sit around listening to comedy records. It's not what we did. All the boys did that. But we didn't do that. One friend and I used to, because, you know, we both had older brothers. So we sort of had this thing, but it wasn't like, it just, it wasn't what we did. Well, I always say it's, it's weird. We're living at a time now where we're always, you know, we're always just very present in the moment. Yeah. And we forget about pre-internet times. I yeah. always say like seeing things on television back in the day felt like going to Mars. Like if I was going to watch TRL, I'm like, whoa, there's no way I could possibly ever be there or see that. Right. Yeah. And now you're, you're sort of like, I'll just, I'm just going to do that and post it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Right? Exactly. Just make it. Uh, yeah. So there was no, f- there, I had no feeling of that. So things just seemed like, how do you even do this? Uh, and what is, even is that life? Like, I didn't even know what it was, but I, I was also raised in a traditional family where, you know, pursuing an arts kind of job was heavily looked immigrant family. They just were like, no, you got to make money and take care of things. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Take care of things. Take care of things. Don't enjoy your life. Yeah. I know. Cultural just, anthropology. Just- they were like, Oh, I hope she grows out of that. <laughs> so, uh, what was that first show like? The first show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I, I think, I don't know if I remember exactly my material. I have some waves that comes and goes in my brain where I'm like, Oh, I think that's what I, uh, but it was ugh, the most incredible feeling of probably my entire life. It was, it went well. It went well enough that I, my body was like a chemistry set and adrenaline and endorphins and everything were like spiking all over the place. And it also just felt like, uh, everything was leading up to this moment. I mean, it was very profound. Honestly, it was very profound. And then once I came down off of all of that, uh, I wanted to do it more, but I just didn't know how to, how to do it. And I was scared. I was scared, scared. Wow. You know, I always have respect for comedians because, As a my 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 roots are based in hip hop, and I'm like a hip hop guy, you yeah. Know? And I always feel like freestyling is one of the hardest. Oh my god! 
art forms, right? But the, the comfortable am, thing is... I am is, astounded by it. But the comfortable thing is you have a beat. So even if mm. the rhymes suck, I can say, put your hands in the air. <laughs> wave them like you just don't care. Right. <laughs> when in doubt. And get people excited and they're like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You're like, ah! But in comedy, you don't have that. So it's just you. There is no beat. It's just you and the mic. Although in theory, and actually in practice... You have written all your material before, so you don't have to do the. You sh- you should be in the room with the rest of the crowd and improv or make adjustments, you know, as things are needed. It is dynamic, but in theory, unlike that, you know, you are walking in with prepared material. But what if that material? But the, the scary part about that is, though, if you veer off, like yeah. let's say the material is not working, yeah, then it's just like, well, I'm just stuck. Yeah, well, but the, it should be you just go to the next joke and that. <laughs> but right, sometimes you bomb. Sometimes you bomb. I mean, the, the little secret that a lot of people have used, and I've even used it too, is you go to the crowd. That's what, what, why, is, what does that mean? Like go, you know, like the thing where the crowd work where someone's like, what do you do? Or you try to interact, like you try to change the energy completely. Okay. By And hopefully you have something fun and you can create a spontaneous mo- moment with something with the crowd, making fun of someone or, you know, bouncing off whatever their reaction, like, where are you visiting? Like, you know, all those basic questions you think of with stand up, like, where are you visiting from? What's with the weird haircut? Whatever, you know, what do you do for a living? And then that will buy you usually, you know, improv is so, it's very hard to capture on television. And that's why there's not a thousand improv shows because it really is all about the shared experience of this just happened. And mm. it seems so much more electrifying where when you watch it on television, that's lost. Cause you're like, uh, I, I, you know, like you have to kind of put yourself in the room and it doesn't seem as sparkly. So if you can get a little something going, that seems spontaneous, you can go back to your material and maybe the audience will give you another shot. Did you, have a, did you have a comedic mentor? I wish I had a comedic mentor. No. I, I've been looking for a mentor my whole life, Corey. <laughs> it really bothers me. Uh, yeah. I've always wanted a mentor. Well, yeah, I mean, for that first show, like when I started making music, I had someone who like, my, my boy Brad O, shout out to him, who took me under his wing and taught me how to make a song. Brad, do you want another person? <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's so it's not entirely true. I'm, I'm, I'm being a little too... It's just that um, I see a mentor as someone, uh, I don't know, I guess, who would, would still be mentoring me. Uh, but anyways, it's but, not well, like well, that. Like who taught you the, the call, point out to the audience thing? Oh, no one. You just find things because you need to survive. <laughs> you just find things. And, you, and I watched tons. You know, I just lived at the club. Okay. okay. I lived. I was there every day single night it was my entire scene and then i all of my friends were comics what, what was then, the club and it, it was it's gone it's actually it was in vancouver oh, and vancouver. it was called punchline oh hello <laughs> didn't see that coming yeah <laughs> and it was it was you know minus the lockers in the basement kind of thing it was a very like kind of classic comedy club feeling it was a very good club but it that part of vancouver changed very much and it's it's gone uh some some a comic bought it briefly and tried to revive it but i think it's a hard business model running yeah, a club it is so anyways i did i took this workshop and there was a guy actually out of austin texas named sam cox who was the first person uh who said to me you have talent you know and that meant a lot to me and then there was a guy, a stand-up, an actor named Peter Kalamis. He's a very funny stand-up in Vancouver. And you've seen him on uh, every every show 
um, is in Vancouver, right? Like X Files started it. X Files was always really? recorded in Vancouver, uh, but it just so much, so much television is filmed up there that you, if I, he's like been a character actor in a bazillion things, and he did stand up, and he he helped me a lot. Wow. Yeah. Did and he then, encourage you to make the move out of Canada? So, right, I moved to Toronto first because everyone was like, that's the best place for stand-up, right? Um, so I went to Toronto, and that was a big deal. It felt much more like a real thing. Okay. Yeah, and there was television film there too, and you were in, you know, it's a big city in Canada, so it felt very real. But everyone was obsessed with New York, and I always was obsessed with New York, but just like you were saying, you would watch television and you would like be watching TRL and you'd be like, wow, it just seems like a fantasy of a whole different. I would, I would watch stuff about New York and I thought it was fictional. Yes. I didn't think it was real. I had the same feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. And I was only six hours away by car. <laughs> like, Where were you? You were in Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, yeah. So it just seemed really out of touch, but I had a friend who lived here and she was at FIT, the fashion Institute mm-hmm. studying fashion. And she basically said, you can come live with me. And that is the kind of invitation you need to come here with no money and no connections and no um, status. (laughs) Because I was also Canadian. I couldn't work here. Right. And and there's no Instagram too or anything like that. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So I had a lot to figure out. Uh, but that was, I came for a month and then I just never left. Uh, How did you build your name uh, here in the city? You know, um, hustling, pounding the pavement. I, again, just like I'm, I, uh, you, you may say like, I like your show. You may say, I don't like your show. You may say, I think you're funny. You may say I'm not, you don't think I'm funny. But the one thing you, I will never, no one can ever uh, refute is that I'm just a, I'm a tirelessly hard worker. Mm. So I just went to all the places. I went to every little room that I could find. I was back in the clubs all the time, just trying to like work on my set, make connections, figure out how it worked. You know, it just was all consuming. Oh, what was like a breakthrough moment uh, in New York for you professionally uh, as a comedian? Yeah, I think, you know, there's been, I guess a few, there's probably, I think that we all have way more than we give ourselves credit for. Just sometimes the struggle makes it that when you get something, you're like, yeah, of course. (laughs) I deserve this, yo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> About time. I was just going to quit. <laughs> uh, but I, a couple of years into moving here, there was like a stand-up series on Comedy Central for a few years called Premium Blend. And it was just like that you got five minutes on Comedy Central, right? You know, they still do that now just in different forms. Yeah. Uh, but it was a big deal to be chosen for it. And I got chosen for it. And it just made me feel that it, like someone said, you're good enough for this. Yeah. And it gave me validation. A, a little bit of validation that I was on the right path. And then, you know, and after that, nobody called for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, I went back on the grind. Just went back on the ground. But you get validation from other comics because bigger comics would ask you to do shows with them or they would recommend you. Like there's all these, you know, and I got another television spot. There's little ways that it happens. Uh, and slowly builds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that people, uh, when they think about New York, uh, I, I love documentaries and they describe yeah. people's life in like 20 minutes. So it's like, she worked at a coffee shop and all of a sudden she got hit up by this agent and then this agent came yeah. and put her on the TV show and the TV show blew up. But people don't realize in this 20 minutes of. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Of entertainment, there's like sad days. There's like depression. There's like poverty. There's, yeah. there's a million things happening in this person's life day to day that gets oh, completely voided out. The amount of road gigs I did for, you know, $100 maybe where I had to take a bus you know, to be able to do them because it was the only valid transportation that was cheap. And then coming home on that bus and feeling like you failed, but leafing through your 420, you know, 420s because you had to spend 20 bucks on the bus. It was just... <laughs> <laughs> well, I take the Chinatown bus sometimes. Yeah. And I definitely am going on there strapped with wine. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 right. For sure. Oh, oh, all those buses, too, now they have Wi-Fi, and they don't really no, have no, Wi-Fi. No, no, they don't. <laughs> yeah, and I always joke with a friend that the only thing worse than no Wi-Fi is some Wi-Fi. Yes. <laughs> it's oh, the worst. Yes, exactly. I'd rather just not even... <laughs> Battling the whole time. Yeah, so it was a whole series of things. And then, you know, actually getting the... So for Ask Me Another, that was an audition. I was actually asked to audition for the job of hosting a trivia show on NPR, I didn't work for NPR uh, or any or really any radio before that. I had a college radio show, a jazz show. I had a jazz show, okay, <laughs> in college. Um, and then, yeah, so I, that was an audition. And the audition didn't even come to me through an agent. It was from a audio engineer that had recorded me a lot through the moth and thought I, and we got along and he thought his name's Steve, uh, Paul Ruest and he thought I was talented and he was doing freelance audio engineering for NPR and they were like, we just can't find the right person for this. And he suggested me. Oh, you know what? Speaking of that, we're going to take a quick break. Sure. And when we get back, we're going to get more into Ask Me Another. Okay. And we're back. Before you got to, to NPR yeah. and you had that audition. Yeah. Had you ever heard of podcasts before? Were you a fan of podcasts before? Yeah. So the moth, because I was working for the moth. Yeah. Um, and I was working for the moth before they were a radio show and a podcast. And so they they were start they were recording this podcast. And I then I knew some, of some other friends. I, I had a little bit of an inkling of Mark Marin because he is someone I knew mm-hmm. from the comedy scene, had a podcast, and people were talking about it. And some other people I knew were starting. And I remember saying to another moth host who is a guy, Dan Kennedy, great guy, funny, funny host, writer, he's everything, and joking with him and saying like, I mean, it makes me sound like a gazillion years old and I'm not, but I was like, so really this is what's going to happen. People connect little microphones to their computer and just (laughs) jabber away about whatever they want. And that's a product. (laughs) Like this is the thing. This is going to be like something. That's going to be something. And we're going to care. Like some Michael Jordan guy is going to like dunk and sell sneakers. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's like the equivalent of everything. What's up with this rock and roll? (laughs) Yeah. It's equivalent of all those stupid things. Um, Because it did seem, you know, this uncurated kind of. um, Medium. Yeah. And just a little like, I don't know. Um, masturbatory or something like I was like people just are going to talk about what they like who cares what you like or blah 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 but I didn't I mean I think some people saw it 
but I didn't see it. Well, also, too, I think we're at that time period, media was so controlled by these big, like NBC. That's right. You know what I mean? It was a response to that. So to think about, like, I can make media, like, you know, I can make a show, that concept doesn't like really register, really. And you know what? It completely, I think it contributed heavily to revitalizing stand up comedy. Mm. Because stand-up comedy, everyone was like, it's a terrible, no one wanted to come to a club. Everyone was like, it's just, you know, they would harken back, oh, the 80s. Like, people were still talking about the 80s. Yeah. Uh, And stand-up comedy was just not having its moment. It was a hard sell. And then podcasting started and a lot of comedians were able to get their voice out there in a thousand different ways. And all of a sudden, people want to come to shows again. Wow. I mean, that's just one of the contributing factors. But it it was, I think, a big one because stand-up obviously is a great audio format. Exactly. It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, and so how did you, you – you mentioned that you got to audition to, to – Yeah, through an audio engineer. And by the way, that is a lesson to everybody. Be nice to everybody you work with. Mm-hmm. You do not know where, you, where your next job's coming from. I totally believe in that. I always have. And then the fact that that was the person who now is like paying for – resulted in me being able to pay for my child to have health care. Wow. This <laughs> dude's know? the man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Did he like come to your wedding? Um, I was married before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. no, like, yo, people, so, people like that. Like, yeah, yo, yeah. No, it's a big deal. You come to the wedding though. It's you get an automatic deal. invite. It is a big deal. It yeah. It's a really Life big changing. deal. Life changing. Yeah. And and so uh, how did the concept for Ask Me Another like, come about? So that was before me. You know, uh, the program director at the time went and saw NPR was uh, did some live shows to, you know, as they do to uh, get people love going to live shows. If they love their their favorite radio show or podcast, they're like, there's a live version. So fun. So they did one uh, and they have some other quiz shows, obviously, uh, that are more straight ahead quiz shows. Mm-hmm. and you know, people just love doing the trivia. And so he was like, you know what? Uh, He also loved British television, which is just one game show, chat show after the next. Like they're always doing these panels with comedians. Yeah. Uh, And we don't have as much of that. And so he decided to like, he got some puzzle writers. There's like a world of puzzle writers out there, by the way. Really? Like professional puzzle writers. They break crosswords and they write for who wants to be millionaire now they write for hq oh that's uh, a fun gig yeah right so they're and they're it's lots of it's freelance work some of it's staff but they're writing puzzles so we got a couple of these people and they envisioned the show and then they thought okay it needs a, it needs it's pretty nerdy right it's, and it's like nerdy clever trivia stuff so we need a host that is going to be a little bit of a counter to that we don't want the trivia master running the show. Right, we right. already have that. Will Shorts on NPR is the trivia. Matt, he's like the puzzle master. He's the real thing. So they auditioned and they did some pilots with a couple other people and auditioned and they just felt like they were not finding the right person. Wow. Yeah. And then I got the audition and I remember just reading the copy and going, I, cause I hosted so much, all, a lot of stand up. Was, you know, I was, I'm a good host. So they would be like, I, I, re- I just read the material and I was like, oh, I, I can get, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Were there other comedians that were trying out for? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they yeah. were going for a comedic they wanted a, personality mean, to their credit. They wanted a, a comedian. They weren't sure they were okay with like someone who was just funny, but they were also like, well, comedians, but they weren't, they would probably have settled on, you know, someone that was just charismatic and funny. Uh, and then they wanted a woman. Okay. 
uh, just to, well, honestly, because it's not always associated with trivia or podcasting. Or podcasting. <laughs> or anything. Or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've even noticed that with this show. Like, it's it's been a challenge. I, I Maybe I didn't have a, a man, a, a woman guest on the show. It's like my 16th episode. Yeah. And I was like, dude, like, it's like not a lot. Yeah, I know. And I mean, and everyone. Or, or black guys. Black guys. Right. <laughs> I mean, this is, yeah, it's all just white guys with microphones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those white guys with their mics. White guys with microphones. Yeah. But, you know, and I think this has been, it has been addressed somewhat. Like there is, everyone is trying to be like, we need to support some more diverse voices in podcasting. Yeah. Like, cause come on. But I do remember the feedback on the first couple episodes for our show that went out, so like some of the negative feedback where people are like, don't like that it's a woman. I mean, just blatant. Wow. On the comments? Yeah. Bold. <laughs> just, just didn't like just it. Just bold. Because it's right. It is, in a weird way, still defying a stereotype. I'm the authority. I'm the, right. you know, I'm right. the person that knows more than you. It's uh, it's it's tough, right? That's that's still a real reversal. And, and what's the challenge of, of the show being live, like in, in the recording process and the preparation for that? Like, yeah, I know it's a lot because actually so much happens just on the stage that you, we try to write what we write and, and find moments, but there's so, cause I've never met these contestants before who are real people who just arrive to do the show after they go through this whole quiz process. So they arrive on the show. I've never met them. They're going to bring a whole new energy and right. things to say. So a lot of it is in the moment, a lot of it's in the moment, but we do, it's a 40 hour for me, uh, week job of pre-production and post-production uh, yeah. on top of the taping. Yeah. It's, it's, that is a very different angle. Yeah. That number one is very unique to any other podcast that I've ever heard of having every the, episode be live. It is. Yeah. It's challenging too, because you know, and there was a lot of in the beginning talking just about that, like how do we translate this live experience to something that people listen to so intimately, mm-hmm. right. Through earphones. It's like a very one-to-one relationship and there was a great amount of effort for a long time to be like, change the way you say it like this and always be ad- addressing it this way and blah, blah, blah to f- kind of forget about the people in the room and just, and really talk to the listener. And as time prog- has progressed, our current thought is if you're just able to capture the people in the room having a really good time and everything is working, the listener will feel like they are there. Like mm. You don't have to convince them. They know. They're smart enough to understand, no, I'm not in the room, yeah. but I can feel like I'm part of it. So, But it's a challenge. It's a challenge that is talked about a lot. Uh, how, how has podcasting and being, uh, being the host uh, changed your professional career uh, as a comedian and, and your career in general? Yeah. Um, yeah. How has it changed it? I mean, I certainly, I, I feel like I... I, I mean, I do really like it. I'm more attuned to what's going on in the podcasting world. And there's just so much cool stuff out there and so much creative stuff that's going on that people can't do live. As a stand-up, I mean, I feel like it it, it doesn't have a, a huge impact on my stand-up. I feel like these are still just like muscles being used in maybe, maybe different parts of a muscle group or whatever, like I'll do the stand up and then I'll do the radio show. It's kind of the same world. Um, but, but you know, it is pretty interesting when someone 
recognizes my voice. Yeah. That's so bizarre. However, I was in Boston this last weekend and I was in a lift and my, the show was on his radio. Uh, and I laughed and he said, uh, what do you like? He goes, Oh, you like the show? And I would never do this because I just, this is not my kind of personality, but I said, that's me. I'm, I'm the, I'm hosting the show. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, the person that's talking right now with the questions, that's me. And he just went, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sure. That's a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Well, well, I think one thing that people, uh, you know, when you're in the creative industries, like having validating moments, because typically you graduate college and you're validated. Then you get sure. your you get your first job and you're validated. Then you get your promotion and you're validated. Getting uh, having validity in your creative career is a very um, it's just like it's just a hug. It's it's really needed. I mean, I think some people have it in them because they were raised with a lot of. I, I mean, I often I wasn't raised with a huge amount of encouragement. <laughs> Yeah, the, just because that's the way it was. Yeah. It wasn't good or bad. It was just like that well, was that well, cor- was, encouragement as far as your uh, professional career. Like no one told me every day that I was the most amazing person on the planet. Oh, really? No, they loved me, but I mean, they were the like, you have they to were like, you're, you're not going to be good at everything. <laughs> they were. I mean, I think, there's the thing about being realistic, but there's also a thing. That sometimes you have to like gas people up. It, it, I mean, right. Like right. you're not going to go to the NBA. <laughs> But <laughs> I love your passion for the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We thought you looked great. <laughs> yeah. And I think my mother was just worried the whole time with the, I'm pursuing stand up comedy. And she was like, you're working in bars. You know, she's very old fashioned. And oh. she thought that was like, oh my God, you're working in a bar. How did that feel to have like, uh, you know, your parents see your professional career? Yeah. So my father never did because he died when I was uh, young. Um, But my mother, you know, it was weird. There was a certain point, uh, my mother's almost 90. uh, So there was a certain point where I stopped needing it from her. Mm. I was like, oh, I might not, I might not get it. Because I think what I'm doing is so outside of just what she understands as well uh, or wants to understand that I just got to a point where I was, I didn't need the approval. I was like, I'm not going to get it. Why am I searching for it? I got to get it somewhere else. Right. You see all these people? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I, that was just, I kept, and we, you know, she didn't, we weren't in the same city. So it wasn't like she could just go out and see me. Uh, but then as time progressed, she d- did see me cause I also would come to Calgary to do some shows. Uh, and cool. she, you know, she was like just so, glowing and over the moon and i don't know if she understood my jokes at all and but it's all good but it's all good and it, and it it was i mean i gotta say it didn't it didn't hit in the bottom of my soul because i think i sewed that place up a little bit but when she said you know i'm proud of you i was a little like a little too late but also i appreciated it <laughs> a little too late, but thanks though i'll still take it i'll still take it it's been noted <laughs> so up here i want to uh, uh get to one of my uh, favorite parts of the show, which is called our podcasters picks, where yeah. I, where I ask uh, uh, all of my guests yeah. to give me three podcasts that uh, they love that they think that we should hear. Okay. Okay. So uh, give me uh, your first podcast. What if they're not super cool? Is that okay? That's, no, that's even better. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, 
I, I do some stuff with the moth and I love storytelling. And so obviously I'm a fan of that, but I don't want to promote something that I'm part of, although, and the moth is doing great. So you, your listeners probably already know the moth and they you know listen to it. It might not be your pick, but just explain what the, the moth oh, is. Oh, the moth is, so it's storytelling. It's first person storytelling. Uh, it's people from, it's not like actors or celebrities. I mean, they have some names, but it's just people from all, all over the world that are just telling True stories from their life, about their stories about 10 minutes, uh, about really important things that happened to them. Mm. Uh, and this is personal narrative. This is about vulnerable. It's not a TED talk. It's, it's about vulnerability. Um, sometimes lessons are learned, but it's a real, real classic storytelling format. Uh, there is a st- storytelling show that I recently uh, discovered called Family Ghosts, which is great. And it's not so much about like a ghost. It is about in all of our families, there is something that follows us or something that is unexplained. There is something that haunts us about our family history that we're all still grappling with, whether it's a unresolved question or like a weird thing that you're like, what you find out as an adult, you're like, what do you mean? And so-and-so was a, was a, a gold miner or whatever it is. And so it's exploring that unbelievable stories on it. Okay. Family ghosts. Is there uh who's, you know, the, the hostess of that show? His name's Sam Dingman. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Family Ghost with Sam Dingman. Okay, what, what's your next pick? Um, a comedy, a political comedy podcast. Okay, uh, called with with Nagin Farsad called Fake the Nation. Okay, tell us about it. So she she has a guest on every show, sometimes more than one guest. I think yeah, right, a couple guests. It fluctuates, never three, but it's her and two guests, uh, and they go through current event cycles of like what's going on with a very specific bend. Um, and it's funny. The whole point is obviously to discuss some of the matters, but also to make it as funny as possible. Nagin herself is unbelievably smart. Okay. Uh, so she is a great host and she has a very bouncy kind of attitude about it all while she's saying very smart things. Uh, but they also, it veers sometimes to some other just weird news items um, that you can talk about. There was, you know, just uh, whether it's talking about like sex or, you know, weird new health things, there'll be a little bit of that sprinkled in it too. So for, if you want like current events, but told to you great, strong female host, very funny comedic guests, always a good time. And I just, I love that thing where it's, you know, I think it's like 40, 48 minutes or something like that. And you, it finishes, and you're like, "That's it." Yeah, is it? Is that more? Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, want more. That's a great feeling. Uh, so that's fake the nation. Okay, and lastly, lastly, so I, I love female comics, um, and two people that I've really looked up to my entire life of doing stand up since I moved to New York have a podcast and it's Jackie Cation and Laurie Kilmartin. Okay. And they do a show called the Jackie and Laurie show. Now it is really a lot about them pursuing their trials and tribulations of pursuing stand up and what they're doing. They're both pretty successful. I mean, Jackie, uh, tours all the time. She often tours with Maria Bamford, Laurie writes for Conan. Okay. Like, and she, they both have written books and have CDs. Um, so it's, you know, they're doing great, but the way they talk about their lives and the struggles of doing stand up and just what it is like to live in this world, being a female stand up comic, trying to make it happen. Yeah. It's great. And I don't feel like you have to do comedy 
to enjoy it, but I feel like it's a intimate window into it that you do not get. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So there you okay, go. Okay. I'm going to take that out. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. It is fun too. It's like full of laughs because they're both funny. And lastly, uh, before we get out of here, Ophira. Yeah. Why do you podcast? Why do I podcast? Yeah. Really? I mean, um, this is dead serious. My entire goal with my entertainment is just, uh, it's like, I want to give people a good time. I just want to give them a good time. And I feel like if I can go in your ears for a little bit of time and have you escape from your world while, even while you're folding your laundry or walking your dog or whatever you do and have like a bit of a laugh and some joy, that is all I want. That is all I want. Wow. Afira, thank you so much for being here on OPP. Everyone check out Ask Me Another. Thank you, Corey. You rock. You're the best. Thank you all so much again for tuning in to another episode of OPP and to our special guest, Ophira Eisenberg, for stopping by. Remember to hit the description of this episode to find the links to Ask Me Another. And remember to follow Ophira on social media. This episode was mixed by Mark Bird. Music for this episode was produced by Richie Quake. And before I get out of here, be sure to check out my show, Silent Giants, which highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. And I'll be sure to provide the link for you in the description of this episode. Well, I'm your host, Corey Cambridge, signing off. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.